We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. This week is our fifth birthday as a church. There you go. So yeah, you can give yourself a hand. It's all good. Happy birthday, St. Martin's C3. Yes, uh, around uh, five years ago, well, just prior to that, about six months prior to five years ago, five and a half years ago, a group of around 30 people uh, gathered and we prayed into starting a church here in St. Martin's. We, 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 God is putting um, this on our hearts to do and we're waiting for this building to be finished off so we could do it. Um, and we, uh, in those prayer meetings, God led us to uh, reach out into the St. Martin's community, uh, connect with our school, uh, and just um, bring the life of Christ uh, to this part of Christchurch. And, uh, and something that he really put on our hearts was to reach families um, and seniors um, in the St. Martin's community in particular, uh, which we are doing. Total Rock is an expression of that. Um, cameo that we do on a Thursday morning is part of that. So thank you. A big thank you to all you guys for making St. Martin C3 what it is. It's a fantastic multi-generational church and uh, it's really great to be a part of it. Just for your interest, if you want to know, if other people are asking, um, there are around about 300 people, uh, including children, that call St. Martin C3 their, their home, their, their church family. Um, around 100 of those, so around a third of our church, is under 18, which is pretty cool, which you've probably noticed when the kids exit on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but that is fantastic. I share with other pastors around the city, I say, yeah, about a third of our church of kids, they're just like, they can't believe that. Like, that is, I think we probably proportionately have one of the highest ratios of kids to adults in the city that, that I'm aware of. So it's just pretty cool. Around 180 people uh, will be here this morning, um, and, as, and those ratios stay pretty much the same. So there'll be probably about 120 adults sitting here and about 60 kids out in our programs and youth programs upstairs. So um, it's, it's busy. There's it's a lot going on. And what I am most thankful for is not just the growth we've seen in numbers over the last five years, um, but also that what's God doing in people's lives? We have seen a lot of evidence of Christ transforming people's lives over the last five years, and it's really cool. And so we're going to go into a series over the next few weeks where we're looking at some of the core values that we have as a church. We're not just as St. Martin C3, but what Christ expects of his church. I mean, church big C, worldwide. We are only one small expression of his church worldwide, right? Um, so we'll look at, well, what does God expect of his church? Whatever church you go to, whether it's this church or another church in the future, what should you expect when you go there? What does it look like? What are some of the things that Christ expects of his church? And then how do we express that core value here at St. Martin C3? And along the way, we're going to explore what our vision is, our mission is. Uh, next week, we're going to look at uh, what leadership looks like in St. Martin's going forward and things like that. So that's kind of the, the journey that we are going on over the next few weeks. And we're calling this transforming people because that's what it's all about. That's why 
we're here. We're not here just to socialise and have some biscuits and cup of tea, although some of you might be, I don't know about that, but uh, I hope that you're here to encounter Christ. I hope you're here to be open to all that God is doing in your life. And, and that's all of our jobs. Our, our job is that, not, not just my job or John T. or Claire, but all of us have got a part to play in creating an environment that facilitates people connecting with God. So what does it look like? Let's look at one aspect of that today. And the first core value we're going to look at is biblical teaching. So I express it this way. I think I've put it in your notes uh, this week. And by the way, the devotions all centre around that thought this week. Uh, The value that we hold is this, that we clearly present the truth of what God has revealed in a relevant and life-giving way. Now, that's so important. It's important because you and I live in a world that is lost. They don't know Christ. We live in a world which is hurting, and it's, it's dying without Christ. The Bible makes this very clear, that if left to our own devices, without God revealing himself to us, we would be lost. Romans 3 verse 10 says this, As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There's no one out there, as good as we might be. There is no one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. So, what Paul goes on to explain in Romans, unless someone presents the truth to you and goes here's Christ, this is what he's done for you, this is how you're to respond to Christ. Unless someone does that, you'll never know. You'll just carry on with your life. And then you'll have a pretty big shock at the end of it. There you go, why didn't anyone tell me this? This is the most important truth that we're to know. And we all are God's agents for that truth in the world. The church ought to be the place above anywhere else where that truth is clearly expressed, it's made known, and we get a hold of it. Do you agree with that? Are we cool? Okay, great. So, what does that look like? Let's unpack that a bit. Well, the first thing that it looks like is we need to be diligent stewards. I think that's the best word of it. Stewards of God's revelation that he's given us. We could Think of this incredible privilege that you know the truth of who God is, who Christ is, what he's done for you. You have that. That's a gift that God has given you. That is knowledge that you are now responsible to do something with. Not just allow that truth to change your life, but accurately communicate it to others. And the Apostle Paul is really passionate about this. He, uh, there's a number of letters that we have in the New Testament, and we have them because other churches or other people in his time were starting to just twist this message a little bit. And not a whole lot. They kind of kept the essence of it, but they went, hey, can we add a little bit to this? And one of those is the church in Galatia, which is what we would know as Western Turkey today. So in that province, there were teachers going around going, yes, Jesus died for your sin, as we have already heard over communion today. And we can know a relationship with God when we confess our sin 
and receive his righteousness and his holiness in his life. So that, that, they presented that gospel. And then when people came to them and said, hey, now, what does it mean to, to come into this relationship? Does it mean that I have to follow all these rules as well? And they went, yeah, absolutely. You've got to follow the rules and do all these rules as well as that. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. It has to be, you have to stay true to the gospel. You can't add a whole lot of things to it. And in, in desperation, Paul pens these words to the church at Galatia. And these are strong words. Like, you know, these are, you know how you text in capitals if you really want to shout? Okay, this, is, this is texting in capitals, okay? This is, this is a letter in capital letters to the Galatian church. Galatians 1 verse 6 says this, I am astonished and disappointed and frustrated and, you know, just add whatever you want there, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He's not referring to another religion here. He's referring to the church who just weren't diligent enough about keeping true to the gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preached to you, let him be under God's curse. Let, let other versions maybe, let him be cast into hell. Like, this is serious stuff. Like, Paul is going, you can't mess around with this, okay? Christ has revealed God's way. It's a revelation. We didn't figure it out ourselves. God said, this is who I am. This is how I've saved you. Be clear on it, be accurate on it, and do not mess with it. It's not your knowledge to mess with. That's a really important thing for us to understand. When God gives a revelation, it's a gift to us to be received as it is and then not messed with. Every other type of knowledge that we have in the world, we can, we can grow and learn. You know, you, you, if you look at Wikipedia enough, you'll see it changes all the time. You know, there's because there's, we're gaining a knowledge and understanding of technology and the world around us and all that sort of thing. But the church doesn't have that option. We don't get to adapt our message. And there is pressure from the world on us to go, hang on a minute, well, that, that's a little bit tough. You know, saying that people go to hell if they don't really accept Jesus, that's a bit tough. Can you just adapt that? You know, if you guys just were a little bit more flexible on that one, I think a lot more people would, you know, find it palatable. No, it's not an option. If, if, if Paul saw at the, the church of today doing that, he would have a very strong words to say to us. Verse 9. As we've already said, so now I say it if, again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let him be under God's curse. And now I'm trying to, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I'd not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you did not come from human origin. In other words, we didn't figure this out. I didn't make it up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. it was, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. If Christ has changed your life, 
You've received that truth by revelation. Someone told you, and in your heart, you responded to that revelation that was given you. You don't have the option of changing it. You only have the option of responding appropriately to it. We need to be diligent about staying true to what God has revealed. Here's the second thing. We need to live lives that are transformed by what God has revealed. You know, and Paul was like that. He's going, if you want evidence that this truth, staying diligent to it and staying accurate to and responding across truth, if you want evidence, look at my life. It's changed. And many of you would say the same thing. We've had we have testimony mornings here where a number of you get up and share how God has changed their lives. Now, why? Because you embrace the truth how it was. You didn't try and change it. You didn't try and go, well, that's not really that's pretty inconvenient. No, you actually went, okay, that is who I am, and that is what God's challenging me to do, and I need to change. My thinking, my actions need to change. They need to look really differently to the, what they do now. And as you've changed, you've testified that God is transforming your life. And that's what the truth ought to do. Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. But if it's not true, it won't set you free. That's the way it works. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9. This is a passage, it's called the Shema and in the Jewish community, and they'll still recite it um, most days in Jewish households. Very powerful passage of scripture where God says this to the nation of Israel to remind them that these truths are so important that you, you need to spend time meditating on them. O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. In other words, let, it be, let these truths become a, a part of your everyday life. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, if you go to Israel today, you'll see them do this. Uh, Jinnia and I had the privilege, uh, oh, I was thinking, just a few years ago, no, it was 23 years ago, before we had children, um, we were in Israel and we went to the Western Wall. And you can, you, you'll see fathers with their sons um, who are strapping this leather thing around their arm and they're strapping this thing around their head and you're going, what's with that? And there's a little box that sits about there on, on their son's arm and on, and on the father's and then a little box that sits here. And apparently... The whole of the first five books of the Old Testament are written in this little box, which I think is, is a little, you can say is a wee bit crazy because how could you ever read it? But the point is they are taking this literally, where it says, bind it to your arm, bind it to your forehead. In other words, they are saying, I want the truth of what God has revealed to me to be a part of every part of my thinking and actions. My thinking on my forehead, my actions with my arm. It's very, it's symbolically saying that we need to integrate truth into all of our lives for it to transform us. So we need to steward God's truth. We need to live it. The third thing we need to do is we need to share it. We need to tell other people about it. Romans 10 verse 14 says this, 
How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are those are the feet of those who bring good news. God's favour is upon your life when you take that moment, when you make that phone call, when you sit down with someone and have that courage to say, hey, can I share something of what God's done in my life with you? Can I share the gospel with you? So what we see in Scripture, what we see God expecting of his church worldwide, not just St. Martin's, but every church, is that we diligently hold on to the truth. We're really clear on that. We don't adapt it. We don't try and change it. We simply try to understand it better. The second thing that we do is we apply it to our lives. We allow it to change us. Not us change it, it changes us. And then we clearly communicate that truth in a relevant, life-giving way to the world around us. Now, here's my question today. Are you all good with that? Okay. That's good. Because if you're not good with that, we kind of need to have a conversation, okay? Because this is a really important value that we have at St. Martin C3. But I know what most of you are now thinking at this point. You're going, okay, that's what I pay you and John T to do, right? You know, I go out and work all week and I, and, you know, I do all this and then I give money to your offering thing on a Sunday morning or I do it by AP during the week, and you guys sit in your office and you plan these messages and all that thing. Now, that is partly true. Yes, we, 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 we very much appreciate the privilege of being able to bring God's truth to you, and I hope we do it in a, in a relevant, life-giving way. And having the t it does take time to do that and does take time to prepare messages. So... Thank you for doing that. However, in saying that, there is a role that you play in this. You as the church, not just us, we're not the church, we are all the church. You need to keep us accountable to that. And we need to be humble and teachable as well as you. You need to receive the word of God, hopefully that we're teaching. But if you think that I'm a bit skewy in my uh, theology or John Tears. Yeah, and, and I know you do, just by the way. There's a few of you that keep us very, you know, in line. And that's good, so you should. Why? Because it matters. It really does matter. And uh, I was talking with a couple just this week who were part of a church that were just starting to deviate from the truth of uh, who Christ is, and they tried to talk to their church about it. They said, look, no, um, that's tough, you know, it's just the way it is. And so they said, well, it's fine, we'll, we'll go somewhere else. And, and it's a legitimate reason for moving church. Now, now, certainly approach your church leadership about them first, so that you, because they ought to be challenged, and we ought to be challenged. And if I'm teaching heresy, you should challenge me. And if I keep doing it, you should leave the church. You should. Because my job is to get it right. So there's a part that we all play in this. However, let's push this out a little bit further. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Here's the thing. 
You don't get off the hook on this one. My job is to accurately communicate truth that you can then take and pass it on to others. And you're going, oh, no, do I have to do something? Yeah, you do. You see, if, if I'm thinking about the next five years of our church and what I would say the church, especially around New Zealand, I think what will look differently in the next five years, this is the way things are going, is that there's more ministry that's going to happen outside of the church than inside the church. Have a think about that. See, 20, 30 years ago, what you'd do is if you wanted someone to hear the gospel or to encounter the truth of who Christ is, you'd just invite them along to church. And by all means, if you keep doing that, that's, that's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. But when you did that 20, 30 years ago, people go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go along. That's great. You do that these days and you'll kind of get a, usually, in my experience, you get a bit of a pushback. It's kind of like, oh, oh yeah. So what that means is that there is some of those cafe conversations that have to happen first so that they are aware of what you what you say. I um, had a, a lady in our, our church uh, about 10 years ago, no, no, it wouldn't have been that long ago, seven or eight years ago, said, oh, can you catch up with my son? He really wants to catch up with you. I went, ah, oh, yeah, sure. Like, uh, I've been set up with these things before. And I go, yeah, yeah, he, he is open. So, so I did start to catch up with him. So every couple of weeks we met in Coffee Culture in Papua Nui and we had some chats about religion. And... Um, and over the course of about six months, he just slowly warmed up to the things of Christ. And then at one point, he came along to church, and it was the very day. This is, I, I still look back now and go, oh, man, how'd this happen? The, the one of the few days that I wasn't at church, he actually came with his bum to church, and fortunately, someone did give an altar call to give their lives to Christ. And he gave his life to Christ on that day. And I was like, ah! And I did all this work for six months and I wasn't, didn't get part to, to pray with him. But that was still cool. I still followed him up and we still... And I don't care, hey, as long as his, his life's a count of Christ, it's all good. But the point that I'm making is that there's lots of these cafe conversations that need to happen. That's where ministry is happening these days. I was... Um, a couple of years ago, I was sitting in um, the, the McCafe, actually, in Rickerton, and uh, just having a, a, a coffee with Ginny. Well, not, I wasn't having coffee, she was. Um, and uh, I was having my smoothie. And, um, and I was just happened to hear, you know, because you hear some of those conversations around you, um, not that I was eavesdropping, but I could pretty, pretty clearly hear this conversation that was happening at the table next door. And it was a young guy, who probably would have only been about 20, with another young guy. And this other guy obviously was interested in Christian things, but he wasn't sort of sure about it yet. So this guy was just like laying it onto him, just like going, okay, this scripture says this. And I was going, I was, I was sitting there praying for him, actually. I was going, I'd love to be part of the conversation, but that would be rude. <laughs> but I was just going, oh, God, just give him that. Give him. And, and he was actually doing really well, by the way. I thought, hey, you're doing awesome. What an awesome job. And I think that's where ministry is happening. Here's my question. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for those conversations? Because our job here at St. Martin C3 is to equip you to be ready for those conversations. And if you're not ready, then spend some time in God's Word. Spend, 
Get, get yourself ready. Be familiar with the, some of the questions that people ask. Pray for opportunities and insights as you get those opportunities. If you need particular help on a, on a topic or something like that, let John TRI know and we'll, we'll dig out some resources for you. We want to be able to equip you to have those conversations. In the 90s and early 2000s, um, Alpha was very successful. Like People kind of went, oh, well, I won't go to church, but I'll, I'll do a course. That, you, know, you, you invite people along to courses now, and they're still a little bit sceptical. So I think it's kind of shifting even out of the church building into the cafes, into the homes, into the conversations outside school. But we need to be ready for those conversations. We need to value the truth. We need to be accurate and familiar and be able to articulate that truth well. If someone was to ask you tomorrow morning when you go to your workplace, hey, what do you, what's with that church thing? Why do you believe what you do? Have you, are you ready for an answer to that? Be ready. Be ready for that answer. Be ready to bring the truth to them so that their lives can be transformed as well. So that's the first thing. The first value that we have as a church that we, we are going to hold, it's never going to change, is we will value clear, biblical, truthful, life-giving teaching in the church. And our expectation is that you would take that truth out into your, into your workplaces, out into your um, spheres of influence, into those relationships that you have. I'm going to work on that more, and I, and I pray that you work on that more as well. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.